Welcome to The Nine Line, your news and information source for healthcare-related issues impacting Southern Nevada veterans, and a production of the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. And now, here's your hosts, John Archiquette and Joshua Gray. Hi, welcome to The Nine Line Podcast. We are VA Southern Nevada Healthcare Systems podcast for all veteran-related healthcare uh, issues. And right now, of course, the big issue, coronavirus, we're still talking about that. It seems like we've been talking about this forever. Yeah, it does. <laughs> but, you know, hopefully we'll see a light at the end of the tunnel soon. Soon. And hopefully it's not a train. <laughs> yeah. So my name is John Archiquette. I'm a public affairs specialist here at the VA. And joining me, I have my co-host. I'm Joshua Gray. I'm uh, one of the multimedia folks here. It's a pleasure to be here, as always, every two weeks. Yep. Yeah. And joining us this week, we have two new guests. We have Dr. Maya Carter, and she's our chief of primary care. And we have a special guest here who's also new to the VA, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that as well. It's Dr. Sydney Garner, and she's a nurse practitioner here. Nice so to meet you. nice to meet you too. And Thanks for having me. Thank, oh, thank you. Thank you for joining us. So, Dr. Garner, um, welcome to the VA Southern Nevada. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and, and where you came from before here. So, um, I had just recently moved here from Phoenix, Arizona, where I. Um, was a clinician over in the diabetes intensivist clinic. Um, <clears throat> I had been there since about 2014 um, after the wait time scandal broke. I had applied for a job so that I could help the veterans out. Mm-hmm. And um, I have been there ever since. And recently um, I decided to apply and took the position for the health promotion disease prevention um, nurse practitioner position, and that job enables me to address more than just diabetes all day. You know, now I can actually address bigger systematic problems like, um, besides you know nutrition, which is big in diabetes, but I can address things like um, sleeping and uh, vaccines and colorectal screenings, in addition to all the other things that I used to do as a um, diabetes intensivist. Well, we appreciate you having you here, and and you know. Welcome to the to Las Vegas. Thank you. Um, one of the, you know, the, you'd mentioned some of the, the new responsibilities you'll have here. One of the big ones, of course, being vaccines. And that kind of leads us into, uh, you know, the fall, which, of course, besides being, uh, you know, the leaves changing colors, supposedly somewhere in this country. If you're lucky enough to have trees with leaves on them. Yeah. Unlike the trees in my yard that are, <laughs> you know, dead. Um, you know, the big thing is flu season. Um, you know, with, with fall, a lot of the country starts to experience colder weather, which in turn becomes, uh, you know, a harbinger of the flu. And with, you know, coronavirus being the, the topic on everyone's concern, of everyone's concern, it's easy to kind of forget that flu season is a, a real danger. Um, so why is it that we have a flu season? We'll just, you know, for, for those of us who are not trained medical professionals like the two of you, you know, you hear flu season, it's like, why is it just that it comes up in the fall? Well, hi, Dr. Carter here. So with the flu season, you know, we find that, you're right, it is seasonal. So we're seeing a lot more cases of influenza during certain times of the month. And as you alluded to, you know, it generally starts August, September, and it can go all the way to May. Usually it peaks what, between December to February or so, and that's where we're seeing the high amount of um, uh, detectable influenza. So that's why it's, it's, it's paramount that, you know, we do have a vaccine and that we 
try to vaccinate as many veterans as we can. We try to vaccinate ourselves. Um, the facility is doing a lot to make sure that we vaccinate our employees so that we're all safe and protected and make sure that we continue to be able to work and be healthy. We know we still have, we're still in COVID mm -hmm. and so, and we're still working, the scientists are working feverishly to find a vaccine for that. But what we can do is um, do our best to vaccinate against flu. It's not 100%, but you know, we know it can reduce your chance of being hospitalized, can reduce your chance of dying. And so um, that's really important. So, uh, you know, when I get a vaccine, if I get a vaccine for something that's good for the rest of my life, or I get a booster after 15 years, 20 years, something like that, why do I need to get a flu shot every single year? Well, we need to get a flu shot every year because there's different strains of flu every year. And so um, each year it's a different strain. So therefore scientists have to make a vaccine to match the strain of flu. And so the flu vaccine that you got in the year prior may not be effective for the next year. We, we could call it a virgin organic vaccine because it is brand new every single year and organic because obviously it comes from, you know, a very organic source. So, you know, you mentioned that, you know, there's different forms of, of the flu and, you know, some of us who are untrained non-medical professionals, we, you know, we see like, oh, influenza isn't the same thing. But, you know, looking at the CDC guidelines, there's a whole list of, of different kinds of flu that they have to inoculate for every year. How do they predict that? I know. So year after year, we're grateful that, you know, we're able to collect data on the flu and what's happening and trends throughout the country. Um, and we, we've understood that there's influenza A and influenza B as the major types. And then there's four types of influenza. And that's why you come up with the term quadrivalent, mm -hmm. quadrivalent flu. So we want to be able to protect as best we can with the four major strains there. So we've talked to uh, Dr. Kamandori last week. Uh, he came on and joined us, and he talked a little bit about some of the trends that they've seen in the Southern Hemisphere. Of course, the Southern Hemisphere right now is kind of just winding down their winter, so they're leaving their flu season. Um, and he said that they've seen a, a trend there that, you know, it wasn't quite as bad as in years past. Um, do you, you know, when you hear things like that, does that give you hope for maybe this flu season won't be quite as bad for us? Well, you know, one thing that comes to mind about this flu season is um, we're all wearing masks. <laughs> we're all wearing masks, and we know that the flu is transmitted with the droplets. And so we're coughing and sneezing and, you know, different respiratory secretions. So wearing masks here and, you know, it's mandated here at our facility and um, um, in the community, um, it will help to reduce that transmission. So I'm hoping that we'll see you know, less transmission for the flu this year. There's a lot more awareness about, mm -hmm. you know, hand hygiene and, Absolutely. you know, sources that get contaminated. I mean, I don't think people prior to COVID really thought about things like, you know, the gas pump or mm -hmm. door point. handles yes. or things like that. And now that we have made a concerted effort as a country to make some awareness about hand hygiene and, um, things of that sort, I think people are more aware and more cautious. The other thing is they um, have kind of described respiratory illness or, you know, 
airborne and droplet infections, kind of like glitter. So if you've ever opened glitter into your house, you know, in one room. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, I'm familiar. Unfortunately. <laughs> they, it was an analogy of, you know, one, one day you open some glitter in, you know, one uh-huh. room of your house, and then, like, two weeks later you find it in the attic. You're like, how did yes, I get there, it right? Just, it's there, yeah. yeah I live so. with two elementary school rock stars, so <laughs> glitter is what we live with. The, the COVID of the arts and crafts world. Yes. That's a good point. I think it's, it's excellent. I mean, we have just a heightened awareness of, okay, yes, wash my hands, you know, make sure we clean our, our table off and different things, but now it's even more so. So with it being a respiratory illness similar to to COVID, uh, you know, what, what are the chances of somebody being infected with both of them at the same time? Is that possible? It's possible. You know, we want to try our best to avoid that if we can. Um, we know that there's so many similarities between influenza and um, COVID-19, you know, as far as respiratory transmission. Um, and um, sometimes they could present with similar symptoms, you know, like the runny nose and the cough and the headache and the aches and the diarrhea, you know, things like that. Sometimes you may not have any symptoms. So what we want to do is protect for what we can. And we can protect by doing transmission precautions with the mask and hand hygiene and also with the vaccine. The mm-hmm. same things that make you susceptible to the influenza, right, would be, you know, things, medications that also impact your immune system or even a lifestyle that does that. So, mm-hmm. um, for example, some people um, are on medications that suppress their immune system because maybe they have an autoimmune disease like rheumatoid arthritis. And so those people are definitely more at risk for influenza, but also for COVID. And so when you run yourself down and you're not sleeping well and you're not eating well, you know, and you're um, kind of burning the candle at both ends, um, that kind of leads up to a storm of a lot of risk factors that can lead you down, you know, um, a pathway that could get you both diseases. Um, a lot of times, if you hit one of them, if you consider the fact that, you know, you have influenza, you were run down enough to, let's say, pick up influenza, you're more susceptible now mm-hmm. to getting COVID, you know, or vice versa, because you, you're at a, your system's already battling one issue, and now you're asking it to you know, make sure to not not only battle, like go to war, right, but you're also asking you to do surveillance and, you know, manage any potential intruders. So, so as I, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, to add on to what she was saying, in addition to that, you know, a lot of our patients, um, you know, we have underlying chronic medical diseases. So heart disease, diabetes, um, autoimmune diseases, different things and that put us at an added risk. And so um, we want to make sure that we stay as safe as possible. So as I watch the news and, and see chatter what's going on about um, you know coronavirus, everybody talks about, well, if we have coronavirus and the flu at the same time, it has the potential to be very, very bad. Uh, what is what is the danger? there is it is it are are we worried about getting the medical systems too overloaded with influenza and covid patients or what's what's the cause for concern i think there's there's a lot of cause for concern one is is i mean we had issues let's say down in tucson um where the actual community had run out of beds for covid patients and this was not influenza season at all and um they ran out of beds 
uh, to the point where the VA actually had to take in community patients. So if that can happen just with COVID going around and, and influenza was very, very low at that time, um, I mean, that, that's a big risk, right? We don't want to get back to where we're putting hospitals and morgues inside, you know, trucks. Um, you know, we'd prefer to keep people out of the hospital. The other thing is, is that the systems kind of end up, um, COVID is a disease that has a lot of um, blood clotting issues. And so when you take and you spatter blood clots all over the system, there isn't, it's, it's kind of like having sugar sprinkled throughout your engine and your car, right? And it's like, you don't know what, what's going to get clogged up at what point, but that's kind of the same thing that happens in COVID is you have this um, clotting cascade that goes on and at any given point you could infarct tissue, right? And then mm -hmm. you have dead tissue that's not functioning or blocked and it's not getting blood flow and you end up with a whole other host of things that, you know, potentially put you at risk for other things. So it, it just leads you down a really bad pathway. So do we see a higher incidence of influenza in our VA patient population than, than you would see in the community at large? That's an interesting question. And I don't think I have the up-to-date data to answer that right now. Okay. Generally, you know, our veteran population is, is a vulnerable population with lots of different comorbidities, and we tend to have be dis disproportionately affected by many different disease processes. Okay. So you mentioned earlier about the um, about how you're more susceptible to infection from COVID if you already have influenza. Um, you know, somebody you know, presents symptoms and gets a COVID test, finds out that they are COVID negative. By process of elimination, is it safe to assume that it's more than likely a flu? Well, not necessarily. So, um, you know, flu has its own different criteria. Um, we know that so much of what we've been seeing with the spread of COVID has been um, asymptomatic individuals. Mm -hmm. um, you know, people go, for example, the wedding, there was a wedding of not very many people and they said like, literally it was like almost in every state by the end of like two weeks. So um, that they could basically contact traces people and it went everywhere. And there wasn't anybody that was, I mean, they were all temperature checked before they went into the wedding. So we know that so much of it, it doesn't really happen that way. Um, I've, I've worked many years um, doing urgent care and I, I haven't seen I can be honest and tell you that I really haven't seen a patient with the flu that's asymptomatic. Okay. They come in, you know, they, they come in and they, they will usually tell you that, well, I wanted to come in yesterday because I felt terrible, but I was too sick to come in. Mm -hmm. That's usually how you find them is they're usually laying in the bed and pretty listless, their temps high, or if it's, you know, medium, if it's, you know, maybe, you know, not 101 and above, and maybe it's low, but it's usually because they've taken Tylenol or ibuprofen or something like that. Mm -hmm. And that is what has allowed it to um, kind of brew. Now, do you think there's a danger for people who maybe are presenting with those symptoms and just assume it's the flu? You know, we've all had, you know, most of us have had flu at some point in our lives. We recognize the symptoms. Um, do you think there's a danger in people just assuming it's the flu and not seeking attention soon? Yes, I think we have to be um, do our due diligence and understand that we are still living with COVID-19. And I think we have an obligation to go ahead and, and, and get tested for that. Because, um, you know, as we all know, there's so much uh, research going on right now with COVID-19 and we're still looking for really good, solid, you know, treatments for that. And so, 
we want to we want to continue to you know um, reduce transmission. So even though it looks like the flu, mm -hmm. maybe it is. We're in flu season. However, I think we still need to get tested and think COVID nineteen as well for ourselves, our family, our community, our coworkers. I've I've had quite a few um, friends that um, have been diagnosed with COVID, and their initial symptoms weren't really a high fever or necessarily feeling really terrible. Some of them were just literally symptoms of like the GI flu. What you think? I got some bad food last mm -hmm. night at takeout or that kind of thing, and. Um, you know, a couple of days later, you know, they're feeling kind of lousy, so they got a COVID test and they were positive. Um, it, it's a very um, interesting disease for our disease presentation because it just presents almost like in a grab bag, mm -hmm. sort of. It's like putting all the symptoms in a grab bag and then grabbing out a handful, and those are the ones that you get versus Absolutely. the ones that, you know, Dr. Carter would get. It's, it's just a very strange presentation for most people. Yeah, well... Definitely hoping we can get a you know vaccine down the road to you know to help alleviate some of that. But thankfully, we do have a flu vaccine, and you know we can do our part to try to make sure we can stem the the spread of the the flu at least this season coming up. Uh, we'll talk more about where you can get your flu shot here in uh, Southern Nevada in one second. We're gonna take a quick break. You're listening to The Nine Line, a production of the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. We'll be back with more right after this. My name is Dr. Tony Fauci here at the National Institutes of Health. If you've recovered from COVID-19, your plasma has antibodies that may help others fight COVID. Please donate plasma now. You can literally save lives. There are thousands of locations across the country where you can donate. Find the site to donate your plasma at coronavirus.gov. Produced by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services at taxpayer expense. I didn't want to talk. She just sat with me. That was all I really needed. We got back. One day he called me out of the blue. And it's comforting to know that I always can count on him to have my back. She called me from time to time. I really didn't think I needed any help. It took me from being really depressed to feeling like somebody cared to give me some hope. Just that one text. Be there. Your call, your presence, your words, your support. Be there and help save a life. Learn more about preventing suicide at VeteransCrisisLine.net. Millions plan for retirement online. Estimate your future benefits, apply for retirement, and manage your benefits all from the comfort of your home. And give yourself the freedom to do what you want offline. Social Security's online services help put you in control with secure access to your information anytime, anywhere, allowing you to spend more time with family, friends, or simply just enjoying the day. Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. See what you can do online at socialsecurity.gov. Welcome back to the Nine Line, Southern Nevada's source for veteran-related healthcare news and information. Here's your hosts, John Archiquette and Joshua Gray. And we're back with the Nine Line podcast. Joining us today, we have Dr. Garner and Dr. Carter. They are uh, here talking about the flu shot or flu season, and of course, that leads us to naturally the uh the talk about the flu shot um you know there's a lot of places around here that are already starting to talk about you know getting your flu shot what, what options do veterans have for getting their vaccination well last year um we didn't have a drive-through flu shot clinic um it wasn't well received a couple of years ago um and i think part of that um was that we kind of lie in some of the um 
like at least the VAMC, the medical center here, kind of lies on the outskirts of things. And so the thought was maybe it, it wasn't um, either well advertised or maybe it was just the placement of it. But I think the thought now is, is that there's so many people are so used to everything being drive up, drive through, bring it to your car, whether it's groceries or um, takeout now. Um, brings a whole new, you know, new, new ideas to the takeout, right? Everything, <laughs> everything's curbside now. Yeah, everything's everything, curbside, right? right? Yeah. So I think now, um, because society has kind of adjusted more to that, we decided to bring back the drive-through. Um, and it requires some special planning because of the heat here. So we're a little bit different, right, than, let's say, you know, Washington, the state of Washington, because they're a lot cooler than us. We don't have to worry about, um, you know, people melting in the heat. So um, this year we're, we've expanded from Walgreens. We actually have a what's called the Community Care Network, and the Community Care Network allows the veterans to go inside using their TriWest. They can go to Walgreens, Walmart, CVS, um, Kroger, Safeway, Wegmans, and... So for those of us in, in Las Vegas or the Southern, Southern Nevada community, um, Kroger's is Smith's. Yes. Yes. So if you're wondering, like, we don't have a Kroger's here, we like, have a Smith's. Do we, do we have Wegmans here? Is there a Wegmans that I haven't... Like, I lived on the East Coast and Wegmans was awesome. Like, have I missed one here in Vegas? No, is, is but, one? but if you can find one, <laughs> yeah, I know, you can right? get your you know, flu I, shot. I, yeah. I traveled to Kansas City and I went to Wegmans. I was like, wow. Wow, this is right? awesome. <laughs> this is not a federal endorsement of Wegmans. Okay. <laughs> you just got to drop that in there. Okay. I've never seen a Wegmans and you're right. I've never, I've never seen a Kroger's here mm -hmm. either. So... Um, and I, I think there might be one more that I'm missing, but basically all of the stores now, all the pharmacies, you can walk in and get a flu shot right at the pharmacy. Um, it's interesting too, if you look at the CVS website, they will actually, at the very bottom of their flu webpage, if you have a group, so if there's a veterans group, say, um, veterans of foreign wars or, you know, um, something like that, they can actually say, and call CVS or write them a note, and they will put together a flu shot clinic for them. So that that's kind of a cool idea too. If you're you know, um, if your group wants to get together and do that, um, the other thing is is that um, so in addition to we added the drive-through clinic, we're going to have our normal walk-in clinic. So anytime that the um, veteran wants to see their primary care, there'll be flu shots there. There'll be flu shots at the women's um, healthcare clinic. There'll be um, flu shots at the mental health clinics. Um, and if they're on main campus, say you're going to go get your glasses tuned up or something like that, um, they can go to the occupational health clinic and there will be someone there to give the veterans flu shots there. So is there a way that you would, you personally would, would recommend doing it? Like if you had, if either of you had your druthers, um, would you, would you do the drive up? Would you do coming in? Is does it depend on the circumstances? Um, I think the drive-through is going to work really, really well for people who, especially if you have mobility problems. So I know coming from Phoenix, I can't speak here because I haven't been through flu season here, is that we have a lot of veterans that have some mobility issues. And then when they come in for the to winter in the area, um, like their sons or daughters or um, grandkids might drive them in and then they need help to move around. So Anything that can keep them from having to necessarily push the physical boundaries is easier. I think the drive-thru will work really well for them. Um, a lot of people, if they're already going to be on a campus, whether it's, you know, any of those primary care clinics, they'll all have drive-thru clinics and, and walk-ins. So 
you if you're going to any campus, it's just as easy if you're going to already be inside to check in. But you know, if you have mobility problems, I think the drive through is going to work out great for you. You know, I, I, I think, think it's good the, for anybody. I think the idea is for it to be convenient and to have as many options as we can to you know go ahead and get that flu shot if you have an appointment already walk in get the shot you know if you're just driving through don't have an appointment driving through we can get the shot you know and so that way we can protect you i i heard that the people in pahrump are already going to um one of the community um pharmacies i think cvs and they were already bringing their slips of paper over to the pahrump clinic to note that they already got their flu shot because it was on the news so I do have a question about, uh, you know, talking about some of these places already have the flu shot available and, you know, we're kind of going for the, the mid-September time frame to, to make them available. Is there such thing as getting a flu shot too early? There, there are some um, ideas that if you get it maybe as soon as like July or August, that that might lower your response, um, your immune response late in the season. Um, it doesn't really give any specifics, um, at least to the CDC, about how much or if that's true for everybody. But we know um, seniors over age 65 definitely get, um, a, you know, their immune system is already a lowered a little bit. And so that's why we give them the high dose vaccine. Um, and then the thought would be is that because if they did not have the high dose vaccine, they would definitely be more susceptible later in the season. So we like to wait until September or October to to get it because it takes about two weeks for that flu vaccine to kick kick fully on and develop all those antibodies. And you, you just mentioned the high dose vaccine. Uh, from what I understand, there's not a there's not an option this year, right? It's there it's is just, an option. Oh, there is. Okay. Yes, we do have a high dose for 65 and older. And then we have the regular dose. Okay. And the high dose is just four times that protein, right? Because we want to really protect our, our 65 and older group. Okay, so they can really mount a good antibody response to that vaccine. And I just wanted to say, you know, I just wanted to kind of compliment what she was saying about pretty much the good time to have the vaccine is, is probably October would probably be the, the key month there, to, you know, because it'll last six months. You know, you know, the vaccine over time will wane over time. And, you know, we want to make sure we hit that peak season, that peak, those peak months of between, you know, November to March, that area in there. Mm -hmm. So we want to really make sure we have good vaccine in our system. So we don't want to get it too early, but we don't want to get it too late either. You both had mentioned about, you know, the susceptibility for our 65 and older demographic, which, of course, is a very large population of our veteran community. Um, but there's kind of been a growing concern about some, you know, millennials, some of the young people, the, the OEF, OIF veterans, which Josh and I are both members of. Um, People are, are more hesitant to get a flu shot or vaccines in general. Um, a recent study by the American Academy of Family Medicine said that 55% of people in their 20s and 30s don't get an annual flu shot. You know, how do we kind of like bridge that gap, fight that misinformation that lead people to think that either they don't need it or that it's actually bad for them? I think there's a lot of misinformation out there. I'm so glad you brought that up because that's so common. And I think we, we need to just make sure we give people good sources of information and resources. So a lot of information we get is a lot of opinions, social media, you know, um, but if we go to, you know, your local or state, you know, public health resources or Mayo Clinic, Cleveland Clinic, you know, to really get some facts about vaccines and really kind of come up with, you know, our own um, interpretations of that, 
um, I think it's really important. Now, we know that, you know, um, the vaccine is not perfect. So it will protect you 40 to 60% of time. And so, um, and also we have to keep in mind, as Dr. Gardner had mentioned, that once you get the vaccine, it'll take two weeks before it kicks in. So if you, if, you know, you come in contact with someone with the flu mm -hmm. in that two week interval, then it's not necessarily that the vaccine didn't work, it's just that you were in that, that window period. So a lot of factors come into it. The, the other thing is there's a lot of, a lot of people don't realize that part of getting a flu vaccine is really about covering the people that you love mm -hmm. and that you work with, Absolutely. right? So I don't wanna be the one that brings, you know, COVID to my dad, so I'll make sure that I get a COVID shot, just like mm -hmm. I get a flu shot. I don't, I don't wanna be the one that brings an illness to you know one of my um, godchildren and make them deathly ill or you know accidentally kill them because you know I didn't get my flu shot. Um, just like with um, childhood vaccines, when say a child gets their um, varicella vaccine for chickenpox, when if they were to get the chickenpox in real life, you will see a very attenuated, meaning a very um, slight chicken pox response. You won't even see vesicles. So these kids will come in and they actually have chicken pox. We don't consider that a fail of the vaccine. Um, we consider it, you know what I mean, that it, it prevented severe disease, right? And, you know, that's the important part is that you don't have a disseminated severe illness because you've already given the immune system a workout, right? We, we asked it to do some exercise, just like you would do push-ups or pull-ups to exercise your muscles, we ask your immune system to do a little workout so it's ready for combat when that comes. Sure. So we all know the, the, we all have a friend, we all know that person who says, well, I won't get a flu shot because I get sick every time I get a flu shot. You know, they're injecting a live virus into you. What, what do you have to say to the people who, who bring that up? Well, the, it's not a live virus, it's a dead virus. And um, that's how the vaccine is, is made. Um, and so, no, it's not a live virus injecting. You know, most side effects is just kind of a soreness of the arm, redness. You might have some discomfort for one or two days. You, you know, the misperception is I get, I'm getting the flu from the flu shot, which is not, it's not the case. So it's probably psychosomatic at that point. It's probably not, not no, actually something. You, a you actually get an immune response. So. For anybody who's had kids, your ki we actually tell people when we give their kids flu, when we give them any kind of vaccines, we tell them they're going to be cranky, they're going to be irritable, get, mm -hmm. make sure that you give them Tylenol and Advil. We already know, like we prepare people when they give their kids vaccines because we know they'll have an immune response. However, we kind of forget to do the same thing with adults. And so what adults need to remember is that we are stimulating their immune system, just mm -hmm. like if they had the disease, we're stimulating the immune system. They're not gonna get the disease, but we're stimulating it. So it may not feel very different to them because they may have muscle aches and they may have a little bit of a fever. Um, I tend, I have asthma, so I tend to kind of get a more robust response. Um, my immune system overreacts to things. So when I get the flu shot, I actually take Advil that, I make sure I take it that day because if not, I'll have more body aches, but it doesn't mean I'm sick with the flu. It just means that my body's really reacting and going to create a lot of antibodies to it. That's so, a really good point. I think we need to really um, emphasize that that this is these are some things that we you might feel after getting the flu shot, and it's a natural immune response, and it's not the flu. And this is what you can do to kind of, you know, um, 
you know, make those things not be so present. Right. Mm -hmm. Sometimes just taking a little bit of Tylenol mm -hmm. or Advil or maybe even having it, you know, after you get your flu shot, make sure that, you know, when you have your next meal, take a little bit and you'll feel better. So that way, when you sleep at night, you're not so achy or um, with a low grade fever or anything like that. It, it almost sounds like one of those pain is a good thing kind of kind of things because, mm -hmm. you know, pain lets you know something's wrong so you can fix it. You know, right. that, that kind of fatigue and everything lets you know that, hey, this this flu vaccine's actually working. Absolutely. It's, it's a doing sign its of job, reassurance, right? Yeah. right? Mm hmm. So you mentioned um, that you have asthma and that you still get a flu shot. So having asthma is not a reason to not get a flu shot. No, actually, um, having asthma or any kind of respiratory illnesses um, chronically put you more at risk, especially, you know, some of the medications actually lower your immune system. So some people take inhaled steroids and, you know, that could make you more um, susceptible to things that you inhale um, because you're trying to... With asthma, you're trying to limit the way that the body responds to, you know, basic everyday items. So are there any, you know, pre-existing conditions that someone might have that, that should preclude them from getting the flu shot? Anything like uh, egg allergy, I hear, is a common one that people say, well, I can't get a flu shot because I have an allergy to eggs. You know, we used to say that all the time with, do you have an egg allergy? Do you have an egg allergy? And that was a, con but now the contraindication of getting the flu but flu vaccine, How? but however, now it's really that egg, we know that vaccines are manufactured by like an um, egg-based technology, mm -hmm. but um, the research have, has shown that it's not, the reaction is not that significant. Okay. And so um, so it's really a minimal factor there that the egg, that whole egg phenomenon. <laughs> the newest the newest CDC guidelines um, right off of their website will say even somebody with a fairly severe um, response, hives, they mm -hmm. don't even preclude them from getting a flu shot. So exactly. there's really... They, they want, they think, you know, people that are pregnant, because a lot of people who are pregnant are like, I don't want to get, a, you know, any kind of vaccines they get worried about. But they've shown that it's better to, you know, get the flu vaccine for pregnant women. I mean, everybody wins on this. So you have coverage for, like I said, not only yourself, but you're also preventing bringing it home to somebody else. I think that's probably the, the biggest takeaway to have is, mm -hmm. you know, with everything going on in this world with COVID and, you know, with the potential flu coming up, it's just be, you know, be conscientious about the people around you. And if, even if you're not one of the most susceptible demographics, just, you know, keep those people in mind because, you know, a lot of our veterans are. So do, do it for love, I say. Do yeah. it for love. That's, that's a good, uh, good philosophy. Well, Dr. Garner and Dr. Carter, I want to thank you guys both very much for being here today. Um, this is extremely informative. Um, we will keep everyone out there up to date uh, on our flu clinics, our flu shot clinics, uh, as we have uh, a more concrete time. Um, like I said, we're, we're looking into to mid-September, um, possibly the, the 21st, I think is probably what we're aiming for right now. Yeah, we're expected to get our flu shots actually in hand sometime this week. Um, and we thought the best time to unroll it and get it distributed would be about the 21st of this month. Well, stay tuned to our, our Facebook page and uh, our, our, us on Twitter and Instagram. We will be posting signs when our uh, drive-up through or drive -up clinics and our walk-in clinics will be available. Uh, again, they'll be here at the VAMC, also at all of our community clinics, including Pahrump and Laughlin. And, of course, if you'd rather go to the community care networks, if you'd like to to go, you know, as soon as you hear this podcast, you want to get out there and get your shot. They're available at all the places we talked about earlier. Walgreens, CVS, Walmart, Smith's, and... Costco. Costco. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks yep. for having me.
Thank you everyone for listening and we will see you in two weeks. You've been listening to The Nine Line, a production of the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. For more information about what the VA is doing for Nevada's veterans, check out our official webpage at www.lasvegas.va.gov or follow us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash lasvegasva. Thanks for listening.